0: I want to speak to you tonight on the subject of Christian liberty, living the life of grace. And this sermon is really a sequel to the sermon preached this morning entitled, Salvation by Grace Through Faith. After a person has come to believe that salvation is by grace through faith, then... um, What comes later? What about the life that we live day by day? And the text is really the second chapter of Galatians and the sixth chapter of Romans. If you want to find those and um, kind of put your finger there, we'll be referring to those in just a minute. Young and old alike are able to quote the Pledge of Allegiance That's kind of uh, fundamental. One of the first things we learn is the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. The last 11 words of the Pledge of Allegiance goes something like this. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Because each of us believes that we have certain liberties, certain freedoms that we hold dear and cling to and fight for. We call these freedoms and liberties, we, we call them ours. They belong to us. And we resent it when somebody tries to take these freedoms from us. Somebody who comes to take away the liberty that's really mine, my freedom, I'll go to war with him. These are liberties and freedoms that are rightfully mine. Let me change the last 11 words of the Pledge of Allegiance just a little bit, change the wording just a little. One body in Christ, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I wonder if we really believe that, that we have freedom in Christ, that there is liberty to the believer, that we have freedom in grace to relax and to live our life in victory. I wonder if we are enjoying our liberty, the liberty that we have in Christ. Guernsey may have expressed for us what most of us feel in the title of his book, If I am so free, why do I feel so boxed in? And it's always true that there are people who try to um, take away that liberty and freedom that we have in Christ. And there's somebody on every corner and every aisle and every classroom at church who have it all figured out how you should live your life, how you should act, what you should do, what you should wear, and how you should worship. And these people have it all figured out as to how I'm to live my life out. And they want to be sure and tell me that. Maybe they're expressing um, what the person expressed in the little ditty, Believe as I believe, no more, no less, that I am right, that you confess. Feel, feel as I feel, think only as I think, eat what I eat, drink but what I drink. Look as I look, do as I do, for then and only then will I have fellowship with you. And there are some people that have figured out how I am to live my life, and they want to take away my liberty and my freedom. And sometimes uh, we resent that, and because we're not like that other person, or like he feels that I ought to be like, and I don't look like he looks, that I that I don't look like he thinks I ought to look, and I don't believe like he believes, and I don't eat what he eats, and I don't drink what he drinks. So sometimes we come to blows. Lady Astor and Winston Churchill had absolutely no love loss. One time Lady Astor said, You stubborn bulldog of a man, if I were your wife, I'd put arsenic in your tea. And Winston Churchill said, Lady, if I were your husband, I would drink it. You know, so (laughs) we don't always think alike and look alike and, and operate alike and believe alike. Colossians 2.6 says, listen to this carefully, because I want to talk to you tonight about something. I am going to scratch where you itch tonight. I want to talk to you about how to be free in Christ, to live your life. Colossians 2.6 says, As ye therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now I want to ask you how you received Christ Jesus, the Lord. Did you you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, by faith? Did you accept Him that way? And as the result of God's marvelous gift of grace, did Christ Jesus come to you to live in your life? And didn't you just relax and receive Him If you think you got Jesus by checking off a list of the things that you did or didn't do, if you think you got Christ Jesus by learning to follow carefully a system of rules like the Pharisee and were able to check off those rules and draw the bottom line and you did more good than you did bad, if you think you got Christ that way, you don't have him. The way you received Christ Jesus the Lord was just to relax and accept him by faith and allow God to work out by his redeeming grace his will and work of redemption in your life. That's how you got him if you have him. And the way you live the Christian life is the very same way. It's relaxing in the grace of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to set you free from the bondages of legalism and set you free to live the life that he's designed for you to live, to be the person he wants you to be. Now if you're following the outline, I want to talk to you just a minute and I want to give you some insight concerning grace, its meaning. Grace is the, by definition, what we've always called it, the unmerited favor of God. It means being accepted by the Father with no strings attached. It means that I don't have to work for His acceptance. I'm already accepted. It means that God in unmerited love, undeserved favor, has accepted me just as I am and loves me without strings attached. I was digging through my files the other day and I found a sermon preached by Doug Zell over at the seminary that I'll never forget. I want to just read excerpts from this sermon. You'll indulge me this privilege, will you? I want you to hear every word of it. If a child knows his father does not accept him over and over again, all the child can do is to try to do something so he can feel that he's accepted by his father. And so he tries over and over again to do things to please the Father, to do something so he'll know that he is accepted. When this is true, the child doesn't have time to do anything for other people because he's so concerned about himself and his own acceptance that he can't turn outside himself to others. We need to know that we're accepted by God. We need to know that His love accepts us and that we're His and that we don't have to seek to be accepted. How has it come about that we've gotten to this point where we have such depression and where we're always defeated and where we feel like we've got to achieve? I think it has come about because of a long emphasis in preaching. Also because we've forgotten two cardinal doctrines in the revelation of God. We have preached too much about man's sin and what man needs to do and not enough about God's love and what he's already done. Amen to that. Underline that. I wish I'd have said that. We've been preaching, we have thought we were preaching the gospel and freedom and we've been preaching a curse and bondage. We've pointed out man's sins we have, we have told them that they have to achieve or God would not be pleased. Our message has been achievement-oriented. Get involved. Redouble your efforts. Give more. Sin less. We have, gotten that, we have forgotten not, that not only is conversion by grace, but growth is by grace. For Philippians, the second chapter, verses 12 and 13 says, Work out your own salvation, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do, and you can't work it out until God works it in. And he goes on to set this premise that all that we've done probably in Baptist churches most of the time is just to tell people how how bad they are and how much they need to work for God to love them and not enough to tell them, hey, God loves you like you are. Now accept his grace and let him work out his plan in your life. Well, that's what grace means. It means that I can come to God and know that he accepts me, no strings attached and that in, in accepting me he's ready to go to work in my life. Now, why is it necessary? What is the necessity of grace? Well, if you'll turn to the 5th chapter of Romans, we're going to see that. Beginning in verse 19. Verse 19 reads, "For as though for as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That is, sin reigned in death. Now, grace is necessary because man has sinned and he's in the bondage of that sin. The law is there to tell us that man has sinned and he's in the bondage of that sin and he cannot do anything about it. He cannot release himself from that bondage. But verse 21 says that grace has come to free us from that bondage and to reign in life. Now what does that mean? It means that you don't have to be preoccupied with your sin anymore. It means that you don't have to worry about what you're doing that's going to displease God. It means you don't have to live in fear of your sin. For grace has come and grace reigns, and because of grace God has freed one from that bond. Now, are there some dangers in grace? There are two dangers in the doctrine of grace. One is that we'll not claim our freedom that's in Christ. Most of the folks that you and I talk to are going to say this. Now, look, wait a minute. Does that mean that God, you know, God does all the work? Well, that can't be. Uh, surely there's got to be something more to, 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 to the Christian life than just allowing God to do the work. What about my responsibility? How many times have, have you heard that? Well, look, now that's too easy. That's too simple. Now, what kind of a doctrine is it that would teach that it's up to God to work out in his plan in our life? Uh, and, and I don't have any responsibility in not claim his grace. The second danger of grace is to misuse our freedom. That is to say, well, if I am free to relax and free from fear and free from the laboring to be accepted by God, well, man, that, that, that's, that means I can do anything I want to. Martin Lloyd-Jones says in his commentary on Romans that, that some people, when you preach the doctrine of grace, say, hooray, boy, that, that means that I can just... Do anything that feels right. You know, if it feels good, do it. Uh, It it, it doesn't matter. I don't have to try to please God so I can please myself. No, that's license. That's not freedom. That's license. That's not liberty. That's the misuse of grace. In chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, May it never be, may it never be that you think that because you have liberty in Christ and freedom in grace, that you can just live as you please and satisfy the flesh. If it feels good, do it. May it never be, he said. That's the danger of grace. Now, I want to talk to you now, and if you're following about living the lifestyle of grace, let's move down to the general principles. I want to give you four. Number one, the first principle is, that Christ has freed me from bondage. Romans chapter 6, verses 6, 10, and 11. Would you follow as I read? Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God. That word consider there means to take into account. It means to act as if it were true and live like it. To begin to take into account, to act as if it were true and live like it. You see, the problem with most of us is that we are preoccupied with our sins and we need to be preoccupied with our freedom. I dare say that most of us tonight know more about our sins than we do about our liberty. Most of us are more concerned about our displeasing God than we are concerned about our living on the level of victory. And we can quote um, 1 John 1.19, 1 John 1 1.9, we know that verse backwards and forwards. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and we hold on to that verse because we know we're going to sin. Man, I've got to have verses, First John 1, 9, so I can claim that forgiveness when I sin. And we, we think about all the sin we're going to commit. And we know more about 1 jo- John 1, 9 than we do about Romans 6. Let me tell you something. If you and I would become preoccupied with the freedom and the liberty of God's grace, then we would not be so preoccupied and concerned about our sin. We're free. He said, you've been free from the bondage of the old sin nature. When Adam sinned, that sin was passed down through the human race. But he said, when Jesus Christ came, lived the sinless life, died on the cross and rose again, he freed you from the bondage of that. Now begin to live like it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if what I'm thinking tonight is that I have freedom and I have liberty and I have the grace of God to live victoriously, that's how I'm going to live. If I'm going to be preoccupied with what I'm doing wrong, what I my sin, etc., cetera, etc, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sin. Let me do a little experiment with you. I want you to think tonight of a, of a red-faced monkey. Now, that sounds kind of goofy, but I want you to think of a red-faced monkey. Just think of that in your mind. You, can you get that picture in your mind? Now, I don't want you to think of that. Don't think of that red-faced monkey. You know what you're thinking right now? You're thinking of that red-faced monkey. I can, I can say to myself, and I can come down the aisle of this church, and I can go on my knees in my quiet time, and I can say to God, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to lust. I'm not going to, to, to gossip. I can make those promises to God and I'm focusing on the achievement. And when I promise that I'm not going to do it as I bring those thoughts to my mind those are the very things I do. But when I begin to recognize and reckon and consider the grace of God who has freed me from this bondage and I think not so much about what I'm doing or the achievement that I'm making in these areas where I'm weak and I focus my my mind and my heart upon God's grace. Oh, I'll flip, flip back, but I lie less and I'm less impatient and I gossip less. But grace sets me free. I'm free from bondage. I don't have to live like this. Principle number two. Others will attempt to put me in bondage. I want you to turn over to the second chapter of the book of Galatians. Second chapter of the book of Galatians, which is really the Magna Carta of the doctrine of grace. Galatians 2 verse 14. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like you? I call that the clipboard spirituality, clipboard mentality. You know, I get my little clipboard, and uh, I'm going to find out now. This is what this is what you should do to live the Christian life. You know, don't smoke and don't dance, and you know, and wear your hair long, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Clipboard, spiritual. there are always people who are try who will attempt to put you in bondage. Um, Back in 1928, uh, a great evangelist in America, if I called his name, you'd know it, wrote something like this. I led a Bible conference in Blue Mountain, Tennessee. There were several young people present. Some of the ladies one day came up to me and said, Did you know, Brother So-and-So, that some of the girls are not wearing stockings? I told the lady that the Virgin Mary did not wear stockings. She didn't, they guessed. I told her that as far as we could tell, stockings were introduced by prostitutes from Italy in the 15th century. Richard Simmons, who is a great, pastor in the east now, came from Texas to the east, and he said his wife had um, felt freedom in Texas to wear makeup on her face, and he said they were so happy in their new church on the first Sunday, she was standing back there with the pastor, with her husband, greeting the people as they came by, and one of the ladies said, go home and wash your face, you witch." Now, it may be that God has commanded you to live a certain way. If God has commanded you to live that way, you better do it. But God has not chosen you as a channel through whom He's going to tell everybody else how they ought to live. You don't have that privilege. The privilege of the priesthood of a believer is the privilege to live my life out in the grace of God as I send his leadership in my life. There's always somebody who will try to put you in bondage. Number three, legalism must be resented because, must be resisted because of grace. Look at verses 5 through 6 of Galatians 2 and just let Paul speak to you but we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you but from those who were of high reputation what they were makes no difference to me God shows no partiality well those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me but on the contrary seeing that I have been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Stephen and John, who were reputed to be killers, Gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we we might go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. You know what Paul is saying there? He's saying, legalism must be resisted because God ministers his grace every man as God has chosen to minister that grace number four I can easily fall back into bondage verses 11 through 15 now what what Paul is talking about here in verses 11 through 15 is what happened over there in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts you remember the story Peter had been kind of uh, hanging around the Gentiles and he'd been doing what the Gentiles did. They'd been eating a little ham and, uh, you know, they, didn't, they weren't following the uh, rules that the Jews, the, the uh, formal, ceremonial, dietary laws of the Jews. And they had this big council up in Jerusalem and the Jews came and Peter kind of sidled over here and got with his Jewish brothers again. While the Gentiles were there, he was living what the Gentiles lived. When the Jews came, he began to accept the formalism and the dietary laws of the Jews. Tycher, in his commentary on this, says, uh, "Listen here, I love this. He said, "Peter, I smell ham on your breath. I like that. Peter, I smell ham on your breath." You, you've been over here uh, eating with the Gentiles, but when Jews come, you divorce yourself from the from from the Gentiles, and you sit back over here into this legalistic pattern. It's easy to be, isn't it? Let me, say, let me tell you something. It's easier to live by the law of legalism than it is to live by the liberty of grace. It's easier to find one, two, three set of laws and discipline yourself to live by them than it is to find God's will and the freedom of that will and live in it. You don't get near as much pressure. Now, what are the perils of living your lifestyle by grace? They're free, and I'll give you those, and then I'll quit. There's a tendency to satisfy my flesh rather than to glorify God. It's my firm conviction, and a conviction that we're learning on Friday morning. This is the conviction. That the purpose of my life is to glorify God. To seek Him with my whole heart to glorify God and to build my goals around his priorities. There is nothing any more important tonight than glorifying God with your life. That's more important than doing what you want to do. Let me me say a word to, 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 to young people. There are a lot of things that are kind of maybe marginal and we you know, and, and we, we wonder, is this wrong is this to do this? Show me in the Bible where it's wrong to do this. Is it wrong? Is this black? Is it white? Or is it gray? I think one way, one thing, one factor that could determine whatever we're doing is, does this glorify God in my life? That's the most important thing. There's a second peril, and that is, to flaunt my freedom rather than using discretion. To flaunt my freedom rather than to use discretion. For my freedom ends where your freedom begins. And sometimes I can flaunt my freedom and say, all right, I have my right to do this, but is it going to hurt my brother when I do it? That's a big question. I might be the liberty and the freedom to do something and see absolutely nothing wrong with it. But in doing it it might tear down the the witness of my life. And that's more important than my life. There's a third peril of living the lifestyle of grace and that is ignoring my brother rather than stimulating his growth. If you have the fifth chapter of Galatians handy, look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And there is an old Christians says, live and let live. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. Sometimes live and let live can be best translated. Um, live and let die. If we as Christians have any responsibility, it's to live and to help live. And when King asked the question, Am I my brother's keeper? Jesus answered it when he said, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And so those final three guiding, concluding guidelines and grace are these, and I'll just bless them and will with free. For those of you who are weak, I say to grow up, to begin to take some responsibility as a Christian, to those of you who are strong, slow down and begin to recognize those around you are weak. And to all of us, I say that we need to find the great balance that's there for the Christian in the freedom of God's grace to live our life out without rules and regulations. Would you bow your head with me? There's a gentle truth that kind of underlines these verses of scripture. And that is this: that you don't have to do anything to gain God's approval, except come and accept His grace. And you don't have to struggle and labor to keep Him, keep His love, or to constantly win His acceptance. You're already accepted. just relax in trust and faith and live in freedom. For what God wants for your life is not bondage, but liberty, not slavery, but freedom. I ask you tonight, is there a need in your life that God can meet and God can supply? Is there a decision that God has for you to make tonight? If so, we'll pray that God will give you the courage and the strength to make that decision. Then we'll give you an opportunity to make it after we've had a moment of prayer. Father, I thank you that we can emphasize not what man should do to please God, but what the loving God has already done for man. And I thank you that in liberty and freedom we can come and know that you love us and accept us. And then we're set free in that liberty to live our life out and on a level and plane of victory. where all the time that we serve you not in order to gain your love but because of your love for us. I pray that those bondages that bind us tonight would be broken asunder and shattered by your liberating free grace and that we'll go from here from this place free to live like you and you only.